What the Tech Africa podcast powered by Africa Tech Radio. Hello and welcome to What the Tech Africa brought to you by Africa Tech Radio. I'm Jessica Fortunes. If you didn't know, tech in Africa is thought by many to be the new oil money. So if you haven't already been paying attention to what's happening in the industry, how it's evolving, how it affects you, you may just be missing out on something really big. But not to worry, you are in the right place today. And here with me every week on What The Tech Africa, brought to you by Africa Tech Radio, we get to talk about all things tech in Africa. You can always join the conversation by sending us a voice note on WhatsApp on 091-3558-1766. I'll say that again, send us a WhatsApp on 0913-558-1766. Use the country code PLUS234 if you're outside Nigeria. Also, you can send an email to podcast at africatechradio.com. And if you love what you hear, like I know you will, don't forget to like, subscribe and share with friends. Now allow me to introduce you to my guest in the studio with me today to discuss how you can get into tech. And my guest is none other than Valentine Ulika, a software engineer. Hello, Valentine. Hi. Hi. Thank you for joining. Normally do say you're welcome here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then. So today we're talking about how to get into tech. So before we go into that, I'd like you to tell us about what you do as a software engineer. First things first, I'm going to use opportunity to say that as a software engineer, half the time you really don't know what you're doing. I mean, people say it as a joke, but that's the truth. Because you're just trying and then at some point it clicks and you're like, aha, then it's like you know every single thing you're doing. But as a software engineer, um, so I build products that um, enable people access all kinds of services, right, over the internet. Um, and um, like the range of products, really, that you could access from different devices at your own convenience in different places. And then all of them are designed to solve specific problems that people would have, right? And then ultimately, of course, make money for the people that are following. <laughs> nice, nice. So tell me, how did you become a software engineer? Did you go to school, study it? Was it always what you wanted to do? Tell us all of that gist. Uh, so was it always what I wanted to do? Um, if I say yes, I'll be lying. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I always thought I was either going to build planes or fly planes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, tell me along the line, all of that changed. So I started coding for the first time. Um, it was more than 10 years ago. And it was, you know, it was this thing where I saw someone doing it. And I'm like, oh, this looks cool. I mean, this person is going to do this thing, yeah? I'm going to do it. And a lot of people were talking about the stuff the guy had built. And yeah, I had moved to a new town, right? And then I was already very good with using computers. I already understood quite a whole lot about computer systems and how they worked. I'd spent several hours over the last two years studying different things. So, you know, that thing where... You're learning so much, but you actually never try. So, like, I could tell you theoretically how every single thing works, but actually do it. So, when I saw this guy, um, what he has done, and people were just talking about it, people couldn't just show up. Like, can you people just keep quiet? <laughs> you know? So, I'm like, okay, this looks cool. I mean, if this guy can do this, I can do this as well, yeah? And that was it. So, I went back home, spent a few days, tried building the same stuff, and I got it. And... It just continued from this. After that, you try something else, try something else, try something else, until it got to a point where people start paying for it. So, wow, it's like try something else, try something else. I would want to know those <laughs> details. Like, what did you try? What did you try before finally deciding to be a software engineer? Did you like 
do other mini things in between before now saying I am a software engineer. Okay, so did I actually make um, a conscious decision to be a software engineer? My answer would be no. So I know that I tried a lot of things. Um, in tech? Yes, in tech, yeah. I tried a lot of things. In tech, out of tech, I'm not sure how it's going to be categorized. <laughs> so at some point, I was a graphic designer. I was making money from it, really. You know, so I'll do, I'll do designs, I'll do printing. And at some point, I made videos as well. So I went from making videos to making graphics to printing to a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking in my head, how then did you now choose this yeah, post so, <laughs> so then I did that. And then, of course, um, I went from there to organizing events. It wasn't, it's not tech, but... Like it's just evolving as things are going, right? And um, and I think one thing that always came in one way or the other was always, oh no, as a very tech savvy person, you know, when it comes to things, how to organize stuff was really quick. So I did that, and then of course, finally went into online, um, what's it called, digital marketing, and the rest of it. Not software engineering per se, but so did a lot of that as I spent time doing that. And then on the side, you could still go back, and then the way to unwind was actually to build maybe some soft, small software. I remember building a music site; it never worked out. Yeah. And it, it happened because a lot of the people that were around me then, because secondary school to university, a lot of people that were around me then, everyone wanted to do music. Mm. Me, I didn't want to sing now. I already knew there was no point. So <laughs> <laughs> how would I contribute to this? I decided to build a website that they are going to use, you know, to promote their songs and all. Um, so I did that, but it didn't work out. Um, so we had events, you know, put events online, marketing, drive traffic, and eventually maybe build a size that people will come to, to get information. Yeah, so little, little things like that. And they just kept on building up from there. So I didn't make a conscious decision to be a software engineer, if I'll be honest. You know, I was just busy just doing stuff that I found interesting. There was always one thing that I found interesting and one thing I knew that was giving me money. Mm. Right. So it was always like that. Uh, I think when I eventually decided to drop all else and focus on software engineering was in 2017. So before then, like I was, I was, I was in a lot of stuff. So then I was chasing contracts, yeah. So I could chase a contract and then bring in a lot of things. So you do the branding, do the printing, do the online campaigns. You do the website software. You could put all of that together, and it could still work. So at some point, you outsource some part of it and you keep some other part of it. But in 2017, I said none of that. It was just going to be software and software alone. So yeah, that's that's the answer. You do it. Well, it's such an interesting one. It is an interesting one. And has it been so far as a software engineer? Are you enjoying it? How has it been? Um, it's been interesting. So you get to build stuff that people can really imagine again. I mean, it's a lot easier today. Okay, so easy is relative, but it's a lot easier today to do it than it was, let's say, like six, seven years ago. Yeah, because there are lots of tools that make it possible. But before, what made it super attractive for me was the fact that it felt like you had some superpowers. Mm. Right? <laughs> so you can literally pull things out of thin air. Mm. Again, and just make it come out I'm like oh my goodness wow. so it was it was it was really cool it was really cool but right now what makes it so interesting is the fact that you could solve problems you could build solutions that address needs that people have so i'll give you an example we've made a lot of advancements in artificial intelligence right and then you could build say a scanner for example right now on your phone and then you could take a video recording of someone and then you could look at the video recording that you have like you could just point your camera at somebody you could have a video recording that you have and it could do see some basic dialysis right tell you oh so this person based on what's happening to this person's eyes this person's probably this probably that so we've made so much advances 
in technology that it's mind-blowing what you could achieve so what makes it so interesting is the fact that you could build solutions that solve people's problems and then you could scale it to reach millions of people wherever it is in the world that they are right i think that's the beauty of technology exactly and so how long have you been in tech for how long have you been doing this for hmm so my entry into tech is by accident Accidentally, <laughs> I started this thing 10 years ago. <laughs> 10 years ago? Yeah. Wow. Accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> wow, amazing, amazing that you have been doing this for 10 years. And I'm guessing that tech has evolved, you know, because tech that we know is always changing, right? And like you've mentioned, when you started doing it, it probably was a lot difficult. And right now it's easier, like you have mentioned. But how do you, as a person who is a software engineer who is in tech, make sure that you are still relevant? How do you make sure that you are at par with your, should I say, international colleagues or counterparts? I think I would want to break this down. Okay, that's a lot. Okay, okay, yeah, that's so fine. So first, easy is very relative, right? If I say it's easy today, it's probably easy for me. It could probably be really hard for a lot of people because there are lots of toolings right now to worry about when you're getting in. But somehow I saw them come, I experienced them, and it feels easy. I feel like it's going way easier now than before, right? Because you can get things done faster with all the tools available. That's one. Second thing is, how do I stay relevant? So the first time I felt like I was getting out of date was in 2017. Because I started building for the web around 2011, 2012. So there are lots of things that we did. Some of the technologies were limited. So you had a lot of toolings that sort of complemented that, right? So I started learning and I learned how to use those technologies to build stuff. So from 2012 all the way to 2017, that's five years. Those are technologies I use. Like it made things super easy. Like I could do it in my sleep. And then what I focused more on was now understanding systems that you had to build. So I knew, okay, this is how to break down the problem I wanted to solve, break it down properly, and then use the tools that I had to solve them. Take it. Same tools every single time. Like, And it is a problem. Like, of course, when you have a hammer, every problem starts looking like a nail. Mm-hmm. So you'd always apply the same tools and every single thing to yeah. the same problem. So in 2017, when I made that decision, active decision to switch fully to tech, I was working on a project with a, a number of my friends. And then I remember one of my friends, Chooks. So there's this thing that he wrote in the code. And I, just, I was just looking at it like this. I'm like, okay, since when? When did we <laughs> Okay, like, when did we get? How is it possible? Like, what's going on? So I went to check to see if there was some tooling that he was using. But these were things that were natively supported by the systems that we use. So native support means it comes with it. So you just use it. You don't have to install any other thing or, you know. And I didn't know. And of course, it was, it was a moment where very quickly I swallowed my pride. Because, and I went to start from beginning to understand this whole thing. Because it was that point where you could see that, okay, you're not. You're almost not relevant <laughs> anymore. And then you could fight to make sure you use your own technology. I, I, I will get it faster with this one. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's do this so it's fast. You get. I was tempted to do that. But I decided otherwise that, okay, so a lot has changed. And this is actually easier. It makes it actually sweeter. So there was this, the whole thing was re-energized. Right? And I started. And then from then, I've been actively paying attention to changes. Right. So as new things come out, you try them. It's impossible to keep track or it's impossible to try every single thing. But every time I encounter new stuff, I make sure to do a deep dive into it. Take it. So it's a new language. Just try to understand how it works. The principles are pretty much the same thing across all systems. So you want to understand how this person does what it does and how it does it efficiently. And then as you keep building 
you know, stuff that gets a lot more complex, you want to find faster, better ways to do things. If not, you lose a lot of money. So the job itself somehow forces you to stay relevant. And the second part to it is you have to also understand and follow trends, right? So conversations with developers to know where people are moving, to what people think and what people believe. For example, okay, so which languages are people gravitating towards and why? What are the pros? What are the cons? Is this likely going to upstage what we have now? So you just quietly start making, you know, <laughs> start making arrangements to yeah, so. learn, to understand, and then also be versed enough in that language that when the time comes to make a switch, you're not left behind. It's a problem a lot of people have and then you start struggling more. So for me, every new thing I encounter, I try to go really deep into it so that um, I have foundational knowledge. And then as you're using it, it feels like what you're already used to because you spent a lot of time trying to understand how it works. I don't do it all the time. Like, it's impossible to do it all the time. Sometimes you just want to actually solve something and just get the hell out of there. Yeah, so I try. And so far, it's worked. And there are things I keep track of because I know, okay, so certain changes will probably happen and these tools that you're using will be obsolete. I said, I somehow monitor them and when the time comes, but quietly, because <laughs> we don't move hunger. <laughs> so you have to be inspired by that fear of poverty. Yeah. True. That makes perfect sense. And so the second question, which was, being that you're in Africa, a software engineer, I'm sure that you're not competing with just people in Nigeria. You're competing with people outside the country on that level. This is a very tricky question because if you don't answer it properly, it becomes political. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> but purely from a technical perspective, I think what helps you stay competitive globally is the type of things that you work on and also generally the conversations you have or things you interact with. That's one part. There are also a lot of other things that contribute to it, which I, I mean, I can start listing you, but I'm just speaking for myself. So. The kind of things I work on are very important to actually making it possible for me to walk into an interview with someone from Brazil or from the UK, right? And then we all sit down, we're talking, and nobody cares where you're from Nigeria. That's been my experience. Nobody really cares where you're from. Can you get the job done? Yes. And how do you get the job done? I've done it before. So at the end of the day, it's still the kind of things that you do would sort of help you gain the necessary experience to do this. And like, you can't pull it out of the blues ticket. So except you're that disciplined that you can actually learn and go really deep into things on your own. I can't, I'm sorry. I try my best, but <laughs> it's impossible. So I get my experience from the kind of work that I do. That's why um, every single thing I work on, I'm always very deliberate about it. So there's a goal. If I join a company today, there's a goal. I'm not, the money you're paying me is okay. But if I don't have a goal that ensures that, say, two, three years from here, I could multiply what you're paying me, either from what I learn or from what I experience or from what I get or from people I meet and interact with by virtue of being here, yeah, that's a waste of my time. Because it means that I just sit there, you just pay me, and um, then I wake up and decide finally if I realize that, oh, Actually, yeah, nobody pays attention to you anymore. So that's for me. So I try to be very deliberate. So everywhere I go to, like, this is clear. I already know there's something you're giving me and I'll give you this one. So is that the amount of work you're doing is very complex that for someone that can solve this thing, when you solve it and solve it properly, you really hide like, There's high demand for that skill set that you acquire. Aha. Then it makes sense to go ahead and do it. So yeah, like a mix of things. I just talked about two things right now. 
yeah so there are so many other things that affect that but the type of work you do the type of place you work and of course the plans and goes while doing whatever it is that you're doing yeah. okay thank you very much for mentioning all of that and i like the fact that you have talked about that regardless of where you are if you're able to do the work you can actually just you know you can compete with your counterparts all over the world yeah so i i don't want to discount the advantages that they, they have, have? Okay. They get, so yeah, i mean the advantages with not being in nigeria mm-hmm. they get, it makes things easier mm-hmm. and for you as someone that is coming from outside the their system so you want to compete with somebody outside for coming from outside their system it's a lot harder so in some sense it's a lot harder in some places it's not but on average it's a lot harder for you than it is for them so there's also that but I think when you come into a system that doesn't look at, see, it doesn't look at, oh, this one is from Nigeria, minus two into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's all going to come down to what can you do on that end. You have an experience in the various type of careers that are in tech. So could you tell us a bit more? Because I feel like so many people think that you have to code to be in tech. Is that true? Um, so not necessarily, yeah. So um, there, there are different things that come together to make what we do in tech possible. I think uh, for simplicity, I refer to them as um, tech operations. Okay, so you have legal, you have HR, you have um, support, comms, exactly. So all those things are functions that are necessary for whatever tech products or company you want to build. So what makes it part of the tech ecosystem is that you need to have a lot of knowledge about how technology works. There are different things that you could do and you don't necessarily have to code to get into tech or actually contribute to building a product that you really like. Now, if you want to now go into building it itself, now there are different things to consider. Either you go the route of being a project manager, designer, or you could come closer to people that code and then you could do data analytics. You could come closer a little bit more. <laughs> you could do DevOps. Um, or you could decide to just outrightly become a software engineer. right? And then we, even when you come in to become a software engineer, there are different things to focus on, different platforms to build for. So you could just keep on going and you just narrow it down and say, okay, for example, I want to just build for phones. That's pretty much it. What, where do you see the Africa tech ecosystem going to? How big do you think it's going to be? So how big do I think it's going to get? I think it's going to get big. How big, I don't know. What I know is that we have really good talent here. Um, I think every other week I have someone I know that moves abroad, right? Mm. Yeah. Either they move abroad or they start working for a company abroad or they start doing something with a company abroad. The, the opportunity exists for them to do this thing. And then they are doing this thing outside, either from Nigeria for companies outside or they are moving all the way. The company is going through the pain of moving them all the way to their home country to come and work because this person is really good. So, one thing is certain. Our engineers, our tech people right here are really, really good. And for those that are coming up, they grew really, really fast. In a few years, you're going to have a lot of really good people in the ecosystem that are still here because the ones that are good <laughs> are living. I pray that some are still here by choice, actually, not by force. Take it, so that they choose to stay and they work on stuff. So I, I feel like you're going to have like a very large group of really skilled people that are most likely going to do work that's on services or products that provide maybe, say, business process outsourcing or different things like that, essentially. Working for companies outside the country right from here, right? That's what I think um, will happen a whole lot. It's already happening in some countries in Africa, like Madagascar. They have like a heavy industry that does that and in many other places like that. So 
I think across Africa, it's going to be the same story. One place I know would most likely catch up and maybe overtake everybody in this thing is Rwanda as well, yeah? Yeah, so I've been following up on investments they're making in tech and the efforts that they're making, and it's really good. That's that's what I think. It's going to get really big. You're going to have a lot of people that are really good. Maybe they would be way more skilled than the amount of problems available for them to solve. That's available for them to solve by the infrastructure that you have. The tech they need to solve this probably doesn't exist, but they can. So most of them would probably either go out or work for companies outside or whatever it is until probably get to that point where they can support it. So. All right, then. Now, I'd like to take it from the aspect of someone who's listening and wants to delve into tech. So in a few, can you tell us what advice you give to them? Like what you need to do and all of that? Hmm. This one is hard. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly speaking, it's it's not a very easy thing to answer. Take it. So I would say, I could say, um, oh, you should go online and then try to learn, but it's hard. Uh, from experience, I've seen that people struggle with that. I could say find an internship. That's not easy as well because there aren't that many opportunities for people. I could say join um, a, say, coding bootcamp. I think that's a much more reasonable approach because it gives you hands-on experience and also some there's some practical sense to what you're doing. Like you could see it, you could interact, and then there's a semblance of the actual work that you're going to do. So. Somehow there's this motivation to learn. I know a lot of people are working on different things for people that are trying to get sick. I know Ingressive Study Project recently, I think they want to get like 40k people in. Um, I know Hotos Renji has theirs. I think they partner with Ingressive and then they're probably going to run the project again. And then, so there are many people that are working on stuff like that. So if you're someone who learns really well, like if you're someone who does really well learning while doing, I'd say just go online, just type Ingressive for good or HNG internship or I mean, any company really and just put internship and see what they have. It's a good place to start. Now, if you're someone that can, you know, that you can manage your pace really well. So there are different opportunities as well to learn on your own. There is um, my favorite, Free Code Camp. Right, so Free Code Camp has this really nice vocabulary that you could use. It's amazing. It gives you to get started. And then you could learn a whole lot from there and maybe get a job and then just start from there and start coming up there. Um, other than that, the, the next option, yes, is to attend meetups, developer conferences. COVID has made it, uh, they don't happen anymore. But once they start, yes, please find your way there. Yeah. Wow, amazing. I was going to add that you can also, you know, I know you mentioned um, meetups and I was going to say that though COVID has happened and they're not a lot of physical, I think they happen like digital. There are lots of webinars where you can join, lives and all of that so that you can become the next tech bro and tech sis. So I'm going to probably wrap up with this in quotes. Hmm? There's no facts to back this up, but I'm going to want to hear what you have to say. Tech is the new oil money. And I want to ask you, are you in that oil money already? <laughs> do you have a part of the money? And do you agree that tech is a new oil money? <laughs> so, I mean, it's a nice thing to say tech is a new oil money. But, yeah, nobody makes money like people that have oil. Like, it's, it's a lot of money. But, yes, so um, tech is really big. And um, the opportunities are endless. I mean, we're moving to a world where pretty much every single thing we do will be driven by technology. Right, so naturally, it's probably going to be the most um, lucrative, um, what's it called? Lucrative industry to work in. Yeah, and also it's evolving really quickly. So the more specialized you are, the more money you're going to make. That's whether, you, whether you want to start a business, start a company, or you just want to work. And then 
If fire likes, let it burn the office. It's none of your business. You <laughs> join another one. It's a really good place. Yeah. So if you were to go back in time, you still do tech again? Yeah, if I go back in time, I think I'd actually double down. So that's um, right now, I'd probably be somewhere giving a presentation, trying to close a billion dollar deal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but still in tech, though, because there are a lot yes, of deals yes, to be yes. closed. Yes, in tech. All right, then. Thank you very much. It's been amazing talking to you about how to get into tech and how you got into tech. And so do you have any last words for anyone listening? I thought I already gave last words. No, you didn't give your last words. <laughs> <laughs> like a kind of advice, your line or something. Just a take home. Take home. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'd say that whatever it is you do, I mean, even if you don't have any plans of getting into tech, I think you should learn how to code at whatever level it is. Learn how to code? Yes. Wow, amazing. Okay. Yeah, learn how to code. No matter how little it is, it comes in handy. Yeah. You have heard it from Valentine. Learn how to code because tech is about to blow our minds up. All right, then. Thank you very much. And so there you have it, guys. Today's episode with Valentine, and we got to talk about how you can get into tech. So if you're thinking about getting into tech, Valentine has equipped you with the knowledge of how to go about it or at least how to start. Okay. And so until next week, I hope to see you again. Bye. What the Tech Africa, an Africa Tech Radio podcast.